go to Denver now, uh, where we find Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, you made it to Denver, Elliot. Congratulations. Yes, I, I, I was uh, fortunate. It was a relatively painless experience. So you did you did not be thank you. You did not did not become an enemy of Pearson. No, I, I am not Ryan Whitney. I am not in his class. <laughs> I'm not getting my name brought up by politicians in Parliament. That's not happening based on yesterday's travel. We'll see. We'll see what it's like when we get back. We uh, we shall see. So a, a couple of things, and um, I, I want to start by obviously talking about Colorado and talking about Tampa. But I want to ask you about both general managers uh, to begin with, uh, both with different paths to get where they are. Um, Joe Sackick of the Avalanche, uh, Julian Brisebois, the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, interesting, Brisebois, uh, uh, you know, uh, went to Heenan Blakey uh, to study law. There's a lot of other people around the NHL in various positions that, that also uh, went to law school there, whether it's Jeff Jackson of Wasserman, whether it's John Ferguson Jr. of Assistant General Manager of the Arizona Coyotes, the aforementioned uh, Julian Brisebois, Heenan Blakey, outside of producing some high-end politicians, including prime ministers in this country, also populating the NHL with uh, general managers, agents, and assistant general managers. Your thoughts on both Julian Brisebois and Joe Sackick as GMs, Elliot? It's, it's like there's two firms that you have to uh, go work at to go to the NHL. Eden Blakey or Proskauer Rhodes. Yes, those, those are the, the two. two those are the two big ones. Yes. Yeah. So, um, well, I, I think, I guess we'll just start with Sackick. Um, okay. Uh, you know, it's like Sack. Neither one of these guys goes out of their way to do a lot of interviews. Nope. And they like quiet. Um, Sackick, I think, the thing I like the most about Sackick is. In a world where nobody is patient, he's been incredibly patient. Remember, everybody thought Jared Bednar was getting fired after that first year. And he said, nope, you know, we didn't give him a fair chance. Mm -hmm. We didn't create a situation where he could win. It's not on him. It's on us. And, you know, look at the job that Bednar has done there. And also, too, Matt Duchesne. There was a lot of heat. Get that done. Get that done. Let's go. Get that done. And he was patient, and he waited until he got the deal he wanted. And that deal turned out to be a great deal for them. And I think that's that's the thing I kind of like the most about Sackett, is that he has been able to say, hold on a sec. Uh, I, I know you're coming at me but I'm not doing it until I'm ready. And I think also the thing, too, about Sackick is is there's a big mix of the old school and the new school there. Like, I, I think Sackick's got a lot of views that are old school, but I think he also knows that there's other ways you can look at players and identify players. They have a really good analytics department. So I, I think he's a guy who has found a way to marry the old school and the new school and be mm -hmm. patient about it. And that's why they are where they are. You know, Breezeball for me, as you said, so go ahead, Jeff. No, 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 continue, continue, please. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to this. Go. All right. So uh, Breezeball for me, um, again, like fiercely quiet, uh, learned next to Steve Eiserman. I think that he in inherited, whether he had those traits already or he gained them by osmosis, 
I think mm -hmm. he inherited a lot of Iserman's traits, like fanatical secrecy. Um, he has some, uh, he has some cutthroat to him, um, but also like knows how to weaponize Tampa. Like it's a good life here. Do you want to stay here? Do you want to make it work? And I think also there's been a lot of decisions that they've made, which have been unconventional. And like, I just think about Alex Kalorn. How many of us thought that Alex Kalorn was a goner? And he's like, no, I identify how important he is. And if we have to make other moves, we'll make other moves. And, you know, I, I just think, like, I think that the one thing that Iserman and now Breezewad do the best is they have weaponized how good it is to play in Tampa. And if you want to stay here and you've got to, and you want to win here, you've got to work with us on where your numbers are going to be. And I think the, and the players have clearly bought into that. So uh, a couple of things here. Um, does, does Joe Sack, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to couch this. So maybe I'll just say it bluntly and it'll be ham-fisted and we'll see how it goes. Okay, Does Joe Sakic... That never goes badly. <laughs> that never goes badly, yeah, when you put that out in public. Um, Does Joe Sakic seem to you to be, here's how I'll say it, a reluctant general manager? Like, I just can't help but thinking every now and then about, you know, that was the team that Kyle Dubas was going to go to, you know, before you know before they, they made the decision to go with him over Lou Lamarillo, and that led to Lou Lamarillo's exit in Toronto. I don't want to say yeah. that Joe Sackick never wanted the position or was actively looking for a different position, but does it almost seem as if he's been, I mean, he's really good at what he does, but does it seem like he's in a, in a sort of reluctant position? You know what I mean? I think maybe for a time it was, but now I think he's really invested and involved. Like, like I, I think it would have been really easy. Like, like, like to, to me, like people like Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman. They don't have to do this. No. They, they, they don't have to do this. They've got enough money. They've got enough accomplishments. They don't have to do this. And it, to me, it's like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan became a general manager and owner in the NBA because he needed that competition back, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I do think that guys like Eisenman and Sackick, it's it gets their competitive juices flowing. And so I think maybe he was reluctant at one point, maybe, but I, I think now he's he's all in and he loves it. You mentioned um, analytics departments, and yeah, do you consider this Stanley Cup final to be a victory lap for analytics, or has that victory lap already happened? I think this is the stupidest argument in hockey. It is the it is the dumbest argument in hockey. Like it, it really is. Like this is over. Mm -hmm. Teams are every, everybody's using them to some degree. Now I think the argument is what degree and who has what say, and ultimately how much does it factor in the decision. But there's zero chance that nobody's using it anymore. Like you're always looking for an edge, right? And sometimes I think hockey, hey, Brian, sometimes I think hockey is harder to uh, define than some other sports. Uh, but that doesn't mean you don't try. 
And, you know, in particular, where I think that happens in, is the draft. Like, I do think teams are doing a lot more to try to weigh leagues. What does success in this league mean? Oh, that's uh, so things hard. Like that. Oh, freeze. That is it, so, it's so hard. hard but oh. I think they try. Like, like to me, this, this is the dumbest argument in hockey. And you immediately lose IQ points if you here's the analogy i'll always raise whenever i whenever i see those arguments flare up on twitter you know what i think elliot this is like two this is like two bald men arguing over a comb this is just completely one, ridiculous this is two bald men arguing over a comb um we're going to do a lot on Colorado and, and Tampa tomorrow before before game one. Is there anything you'd like to add about either squad a, a day in advance of game one? Well, I mean, obviously, I think we're looking to see if we get any clarity on point and Kadri. Yeah. Um, my prediction is point potentially tomorrow night. And Kadri, mm. I think Kadri middle of the series. That's my guess. Not basing okay. it on any fact, but just my guess. Okay, we'll uh, we'll park that. Game one is tomorrow. A couple of other things. Um, did you yep. see the? <laughs> and I know why they did it. And I'm falling right in the trap. And I've, I've tried to grab the cheese from the trap. And now I'm caught because here I go, Elliot. Did you see yep. the little brown jug brewing company out of Manitoba? Yeah, someone told me about it this morning. I saw uh, one of our <laughs> camera people, uh, John Einerson, and yep. uh, he was telling me about it because he's a Winnipeg guy. So, for those that don't know, this um, this uh, this brewing company has offered Barry Trotz free beer for life if he takes the Winnipeg Jets job. You have a thought on whether Barry Trotz gets free beer for life? My initial my initial reaction to this is, if he doesn't take it, can I have it? That's 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 my initial reaction. Beat, take the um, beat reporter gig in Winnipeg, and you get beer for life. Okay, I'll take it. I, beer for life is enough to tempt me. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I, I still think, uh, like, sorry, I almost, I almost let a car back into me while I was doing this Heads interview. Up. I'm sure, I'm sure people are incredibly disappointed. I was paying less attention. Um, <laughs> I, like, I, I still think it might be a little bit uh, too, too early. Um, I kind of thought middle of this week, I had some people tell me middle to late this week. I had some people tell me it might end up being a little later. I think one of the things that is part of the whole trots package is what happens after he's done coaching. You know, do we get it? Do, does, does, does this become a situation where the team that he goes to says, okay, when you're done coaching, you transition to a management spot, uh, spot with us. And I think that's a factor in some of these conversations. Uh, so, I'm also curious to see if Boston, which now has an opening, is is part of this is part of this too with him. I'm still trying mm. to figure that out. So, I I think I still don't think we're there yet. Um, like I said, I, I kind of hope middle to end of this week. But someone said to me it might not be that quick. And what someone else said to me was they think that one of the questions here is going to be what's what's his post coaching future in whatever organization he goes to. Okay. I'm going to take a wild swing. Okay. Just like, just like a, a while, I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm going to swing at something here. 
on the podcast, we talked about the San Jose Sharks and their search for yeah. general manager. And we know about the San Jose Sharks. Um, they're very much like I, I'm told a couple of things. One, expect uh, uh, an outside the box hire. Um, yeah. And also, I'm told they want they want someone that addresses um, their issues with long term contracts. It sounds yep. like, even though they just did another long-term one here with Tomas Hurdle, it sounds like they want to move away from that because probably mm-hmm. they feel like they've been locked in, whether it's Vlasic and Carlson and, and Burns are the obvious ones, maybe Logan Couture in a minor key as well. Um, is there, because I, I often, like you do, think of Barry Trotz as a manager. I also think of Paul Maurice as a manager one day, but that's for another story. Is there yeah. any chance, because we, if we think it's going to be a first-year general manager, that doesn't mean that that person doesn't have experience. Would that name would that name shock you tied into San Jose for their manager? No, I, I can't. I can't prove it's there. Like I, I don't know that. But Jeff, it's you know, as you know, your ideas are one or ten on the spectrum. Either they're really good ideas or they're horrendously terrible ideas. There's yeah. no in between. Yeah. That's a good thought. Like I, I don't know if it's true, but it, it makes sense. Like, like I told you, I, I think, I, I, and I think you're right that uh, there's they're they're looking at some unique things there. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. I think they've got some, uh, I, I think they've got some unique ideas. But I do, agree, but and, but I do agree that they're looking at some people. Like I said, there's I, I heard there's only like maybe one or two people on their list of twelve who had prior management experience. So he does kind of fit. There's there's no question about that. You know, um, before you came on, I was talking about just sort of, you know, offering up flowers and congratulations to a, a number of, uh, of junior hockey teams that have made their way to the Memorial Cup, uh, most notably Shawinigan, who beat Charlottetown, and we wonder about Jim Halton, uh, the head coach of the Charlottetown Islanders, whether it's a pro team next yeah. for him. He's been, you know, two ta- you know, two years in a row, the uh, the coach of the year. The Oil Kings beat the Seattle Thunderbirds last night. We know that's a totally stacked team, whether it's, you know, Caden yeah. Dooley, who was a WHL uh, playoff MVP, Jake Nabor and Dylan Gunther and Luke Prokop and Sebastian Kosa, etc. And there's a game seven on Wednesday between Windsor and Hamilton. And we've talked about Windsor with their head coach, Mark Savard, and what could be next for him. Um, Wyatt Johnson, we think, will be given every opportunity to make the Dallas Stars next season. You know, I wonder about the same thing with Maverick Bork and Shawinigan. But when it comes to Hamilton, we know that Mason McTavish is going to be on you know, the Anaheim Ducks next season. I think that's a pretty obvious yeah. one, specifically now that, that Ryan Getzlaff is gone. But I wonder about Jay McKee, their head coach, and I wonder about Steve Steos, their general manager and minority owner of that team. Uh, I don't know how much longer they are, both for the um, for the OHL and listen. We don't have any landing places for any of them, but you know, can you can you because you always want okay, who are the next ones? Who's coming? Some people out of the American Hockey League. Well, what about Junior? I wonder about McKee, and I've wondered about him going back to when he was an assistant coach with Erie. You know, McDavid is there, and Strom is there, and DeBrinket and Travis Dermott, etc. And we know teams have been interested previous in talking to Steve Steos. It's never gotten really hot, but there's always been interest. you have a thought on either of these two? Well, I, first of all, we should also mention Steve Steos' son, Hunter. I think he's going to get an NHL free agent deal. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's somewhere next year. At least maybe not in the NHL, but as part of an American Hockey League uh, of, of an NHL team. So I think that's going to happen too. I, I do believe that Jay McKee is going to be on some radars here and there. Uh, 
I, I do think that's going to happen. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think that I think that's going to occur. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an interview here and there. Steve Stales is an interesting one. Um, he, he, you know, I, I've always wondered about two teams with him in particular: uh, mm-hmm. Montreal, Mo- Montreal, and Edmonton. And you know, Montreal, he's got tie-ins uh, from his you know his days with uh, uh, the Andlauer family, which is a minority owner of the team. Uh, Edmonton, uh, I, I think he's obviously he played there. He played a lot of his career there. I do think the day is going to come when Steos is in the NHL and working his way up somewhere. And those are the two teams I've kind of looked at and wondered. I am just looking up the stats here because you mentioned um, Steve Steos' kid, uh, Nathan Steos. 66 points in oh, yeah. 59 games. I got his name wrong. Sorry about that, Nathan. I'm not known what for did, my accuracy. He, what did you say? He, he, I think I said his name was Hunter. Oh, okay. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Nathan Nathan Steele, sixty six points in fifty nine games, five ten, one hundred and seventy eight pounds. Not drafted, but someone. Yeah, you're right, Fridge. Someone will sign this kid. Oh, someone OHL defenseman of the year. OHL defenseman of the year. And I and I have heard that there is interest in him. Like it's not like it's not like we're throwing a name out there that it, it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. I have heard that there are teams looking to sign. You know, right before you came on, I mentioned uh, the final four in the American Hockey League. It's uh, the Wolves, uh, the Heat, the uh, Springfield Thunderbirds, and the Laval Teton. And I was making the point about Joel Hofer with Springfield, yeah. who has this sparkling 947 save percentage. Teams have come calling before. Whenever you're talking trade with, uh, with the St. Louis Blues, it's like, okay, well, if it's not going to be a first-round pick, can it be Joel Hofer uh, in- involved in a package? Caden Primo's playing great for Laval. Uh, Dustin Wolf is playing great for Stockton. He's got a 927. Caden Primo has a 937. But, you know, Hofer is shining with a 947 save percentage. And listen, no matter what happens with Vili Huso, and maybe he decides to, you know, test the market and, and go for maybe greener pastures, the St. Louis Blues team is kind of set in net here for each. They are. They're going to be set for a long time. I still wonder, remember how much we were talking in uh... – in January, February, about Huso and the Oilers. Yes. I just wonder if that one kicks up again in the off season. Like yeah. I, I think the I think the Oilers are preparing for the possibility of a future without Mike Smith, whether it's retirement or it's LTIR. Mm-hmm. And in, in in that situation, it says to me that you know you've got Skinner, and you've got someone else. And, and then, so who's the someone else? And, you know, one of the things we talked about a while ago was how we believe the Oilers had interest in Huso, and I wonder if that's going to kick up again. You know, the other thing about Huso is, or just the Oilers is, you know, I, like I said, I think we're all waiting for kind of clarity on the direction that the organization is going to go, uh, like in terms of front office hiring, getting Jay Woodcroft done, um, yep. which I expect to happen. But Huso is another one I have on my notes about the Oilers because it, it, sure, it certainly sounds to me like they are preparing that that whether it's retirement or health, mm-hmm. you know, Smith may not is, is trending to not being back. 
Um, really quickly, a little bit later on in the program, an hour or two, I'm going to talk to Scott Morrison about his latest book, 1972, the series that changed hockey forever. So stay tuned for yep. ScoMo. And as mentioning, it's a, it's a perfect day to have Scott on today. Um, Al Morganti uh, wins the Elmer Ferguson, Bill Clement, the Fox yeah. Hewitt. Do you have a thought on either of these two gentlemen, Elliot, either Al Morganti? Well, uh, we've read forever, and, and Bill Clement, yeah. I mean, geez, as a player and then as a broadcaster, what a marvelous career. Yeah, Bill Clement, like, the other thing, too, is, like, those were, when I started, like, those guys were big guys. Oh, they always huge treated me, always, always treated me really well. Um, you know, it's so funny. You always hear, like, uh, Philadelphia, a tough city. Like, uh, the, the fans are tough. The media is tough. The players are tough. So I remember when I was meeting some of these guys for the first time as media, I was like, okay, like be prepared for these guys to all be jerks. And, you know, they were great guys. <laughs> like Al Morganti, great guy. Uh, um, you know, Bill Clement, great guy. I, I remember, the other thing I remember about Bill Clement is he's a big badminton guy. He called badminton for NBC at the Olympics. And one year for CBC, I did badminton. And so we had a conversation about it. And it was just funny. Like it was, like here's this guy who was a really good player. And really good broadcaster, and now he's. I'm talking to him about badminton. Like just two really good guys, and mm -hmm. uh, I think like that's what I like the most is that they were always friendly and always encouraging to young people just starting out. You know who was a high end? I try to tie this back into hockey here. You know who was like a super high end badminton player? Like I don't know if it ever came down to like okay, you got to make the decision. You're going to choose one or the other. What's it going to be? Devin Setaguchi. Really was an elite. Whenever I hear that, whenever I hear badminton, because my brain always goes to hockey, it always goes right to Devin Setaguchi. That was one of the off-season sports he used to to train in. I guess it's like quick reaction time, obviously, yeah. for a sport like yeah. that. But yeah, Devin Devin Setaguchi, high-end badminton player. I am not making that up, Preach. That is one hundred percent legit. And I think he's. I mean, we've all played badminton in our backyard or at the park, but yeah. like. Setaguchi played it like on on the legit. Um, Want to end on a, on a on a sad note. Did I just tell you one one bad one other badminton story for you for a quick second? Yeah, of course. Uh, apparently, there was a practical joke played on Yarmo Kekalainen once that he could never beat Pierre Dorian in badminton because Pierre Dorian was a Canadian ranked top badminton player, and it drove Kekalainen crazy. <laughs> and he tried to he tried to set up a match against Dorian. But they always give excuses for why he couldn't play. Yeah, I heard this story once, and I kind of <laughs> checked it, and I was told it was true. That Kekalainen, who's famously competitive, could not believe that that Dorian could beat him in badminton. And uh, and uh, I asked about it, and people were kind of laughing. Yeah, they said they used to drive Kekalainen crazy with it. Who uh, who came up with that one? Who bubbled that I, one? Uh, no, nobody told me who the initial the initial idea came from but apparently this was a thing that used to happen in like ottawa meetings when they all if i'm if i'm remembering correctly it right. was in the ottawa meetings where they worked together and uh uh but like people told me it was a hilarious story that that the like technical was like no way i can take you and, but they would always find reasons to avoid setting up a match which only made him <laughs> even crazier <laughs> 
Uh, I love it. Uh, I want to end on a sad note because I want to make sure that I get this gentleman's name on the program today. Uh, Calgary Flames losing Jim Bearcat Murray, uh, who passed away today at the age of, of 89. And I'll tell you, Fridge, one of my favorite things about watching the Calgary Flames back in the day were the cutaway shots after big goals, and they'd show the bench, and there he was, either squirting a water bottle or celebrating with a big smile on his mustachioed face. Uh, Do you have a thought on Bearcat, who passed away today at the age of 89? Well, first I would say the same thing that you just said, is is the cutaways on the bench of him celebrating. I, I think if you remember any of Calgary's runs to the final in 86 or when they won in 89, it would be there all the time. But the other thing I remember was in 89, when the Flames won the Stanley Cup, they put out a video, like a a Flames Stanley Cup VHS, as we had at the Mm -hmm. time, Jeff. And one of the chapters was on, was on Bearcat. It was on Bearcat. And it was, uh, like, basically it was, this is who he is and this is what he does. And as you know, and a lot of people out there know, the equipment people and the trainers are kind of like the unsung heroes of, of hockey. They, they, the equipment people in particular, they're there before everyone else. They're there after everyone else. It's, it's, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of hard work. And there was a whole chapter dedicated to him and what he does. And I just remember finding that really fascinating. Yeah, condolences uh, to the Murray family. I uh, wish we could end on a happier note, but there it is. Frege, have yourself a, a wonderful day. Uh, We'll check back tomorrow as we uh, get ready for game one between the Avs and the Bolts. Thanks, bud. All right, right, Merrick. Have a great day, bud. There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada.